discussion with moms, mothers of murdered sons and daughters, along with Ms. Das, Dasney, Daphne Austin, I'm sorry, who's a co-founder with that. And we also have two great men of God who have been on the show before, um, Deacon Th- Thomas Farr and Pastor Larry Watkins. We're reaching out and talking about this thing that's taking our young men out before their time. But as always, one thing we want to do is always start off with prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we just bow down as humble service. Thank you, Lord, for our lying down. Thank you, Lord, for waking us up to a day we've never seen before, Lord. We even thank you, Lord, for the rain that's been going on all over the place right now, Lord. We just ask, bless those who are on the road, give them travel mercies, Lord. Bless those who are coming on to the show. Bless those who are listening to the show, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, for everything you've done. Continue to bless the mothers that are going through right now and who have, you know, who have sons who have been murdered, daughters who have been murdered. We just want to talk about this thing, Lord. We want to discuss this thing, and we want to just call it what it is. I thank you, Lord, for all those who've um, I called out to or reached out to for those who made it on that line tonight, Lord. We thank you again for those who are going to come in and help discuss this. We want to give you, we want you to give all the honor and glory out of this thing tonight, Lord. We ask all these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And we have tonight, I'm going to read, I'm going to introduce these gentlemen. Um, We have Nichelle on the line. Um, Nichelle can say hi. Hello, 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 everyone. 
Excellent. We have Pastor um, Larry Watkins. Pastor, you can uh, say hi. Hello, everyone. It's glad to be here. I'm honored to be on the show. Excellent. And we have our one and only Deacon Thomas Farr. Great, brothers. Good morning, everyone. I mean, no, I'm sorry. Good morning. Good evening, Pastor Watkins. Excellent. Michelle. And then I just got her online. Give me one second to bring her in. And we have our very own Daphne Austin, Austin of Moms. Uh, Ms. Daphne, you can say hi to everybody. Hi. Good evening, everyone. The rain is stopping a little bit. Uh, excellent, excellent, excellent. And I'm going to read about tonight's episode because I want everybody to remember, you know, just get a, a little glimpse of what we are going to be talking about tonight. And uh, um, we did have uh, Ms. Kim Ford was going to try to make it tonight, but something came up and she was not able to make it. But Ms. Daphne can actually fill in because she got a chance to talk to her. Last week I chatted with a good friend of mine, this was a few weeks ago, Miss Kim Ford on Facebook, and I received some disturbing news. She told me that her 22-year-old baby boy was murdered in February of this year. That was very disturbing to me because as Christians, if one of our brothers and sisters hurt, we hurt. That could have been one of any of my relatives as well. There's something going on in the atmosphere of Baltimore right now where our young African-American males think it's cool to kill and murder each other. Now we, have a, now we have another mother who will never see her son grow up, have a family, or even make something of himself. But that, that one pulling the trigger didn't think about that. He just pulled the trigger. And what got me is that she said that the coward shot him in the back. This isn't right in so many ways. So I called, who's on the line, Ms. Daphne Austin of Mothers of Murder, Sons and Daughters, Deacon Thomas Farr, Minister Larry, Pastor Larry Watkins. I want to get all the power hitters on this show tonight, along with Ms. Ford, and let's talk about this thing and make it known that it's not right on why and why, why is it happening. We need to expose the devil for who he is and stop him from taking our children out. A parent should never outlive their children, but it's happening. And with that said, we have our power hitters on tonight. I'm going to actually, um, we're going to start with um, uh, Miss Daphne Austin. Miss Daphne, we're going to bring you on, which you are on, and we want you just to tell us, you know, give us, you know, you, you got a chance to speak because she wasn't able to come on tonight. Um, but just give us a little glimpse of what Miss um, Kim Ford went through. Well, Miss Kim Ford went through the, the initial shot of, you know, someone knocking on her door. She sent her son to the store, someone knocking on her door and telling her to come down to the corner store. Her son had been shot. So, of course, the initial shock she's going through and the unknowing, and you're going through all kinds of things at that point. Uh, you're just out of it. She's and she's still out of it. Grieving is a long time. I'm going into my eighth year, and, and the pain is still the same. Some days is good. Some days is just like it happened the first day. That's what she's going through, uh, trying to be by herself. Don't want to be around nobody. You know, it's hard to talk to other people about this situation that having experience with you had experience. It's, it's on an everyday basis what she's doing, how she's feeling. 
Jim um, oh. seems to be very strong, strong-minded. You can be the strongest person in the world, but when you get that phone call, I hear that bad news. Every, you just fall to your knees. You just weaken. That's the weakest point of your any mom's life. And I must say any father's life to some, have someone take it from you so tragically. Wow. And did it bring, when you heard that news, what did it, did you get a glimpse of those eight years ago when you got the same kind of news? Yes. I get a glimpse every day. I have, there has not been one day, it'd be seven years, eight years from me, July the 14th, 2008, that I haven't taken that pain on. I've never got healing. Because I see it every day. Here every day. There's not a day that don't go past that someone is murdered in the city of Baltimore and some surrounding county. Not a day that don't go by. Because of my organization, we try to get to the families. That's how I got to Miss Kim. Uh, we found out the information from the guys we hooked up with State Street, and they tell me where the visuals are. When we went to the visual for her son that night. We took, you know, after the visit, we went in the house and talked. Come to find out her, her son and my son went to school together. They both were 22 years old. She left Hart County where I moved, where I built my home. And um, when the trouble started happening out there, she had left. I'm going to say Miss Ford was gone a year but her son got killed uh, with, at that new place where they're living at now. And she called herself leaving Hart County. Back, go back home. She said he'd get him out of trouble. Well, you know, she saw the trouble coming and all, and to move him away, and some other young man saw fit to take his life, probably because he was a stranger in the neighborhood, just moved around in some bullying-type activity. That's wow, what wow. And, okay, okay. That, that you know, that's, that's that just that just devastates me. Because he, both of the ages were 22 years old, and both of them were minding their own. And what happened to the person, the young man that shot him? Did they catch him, or is he still out? He's still out. I haven't heard a word. You don't hear anything. Wow. Nobody cares. Nobody cares in Baltimore City what happens to these young men and women because they get the perception that all of them have, went to their death, they was in drugs, they was doing something, and that's not always the case. But if you keep listening to what people are talking about in the areas where these kids are being shot at, then we all assume that, and this is why you don't get the help, and this is why you don't get the public support. Because you know what people say? Oh, they was about to go that way into. What was they into? That's the first thing in the African-American community that we say, instead of figuring out maybe there's a little mental illness there, maybe was it a fight? What you know? What led up to this? Everybody thinks it's drugs related and gang related, and it's not true. And that's why we can't get no solution to the problem. And it's growing and growing every day. And we as Christians ought to be ashamed of ourselves. Who read the Bible, can quote the Bible, and say everything about God this, and but cannot take your ministry to the street. And try to help save some of these souls. God is not pleased with what's going on at all. Anytime we let Satan take our young youth away from us and nobody said anything until the riots came about, then everybody would jump on the TV and want to say, oh, I'm doing this in my church, I'm doing it. No, it's too late. You should have been out there. 
It's been unfolding for the last 20 years. It's been getting bigger, bigger, and bigger. And now it's a big deal after the um, unrest that happened here in Baltimore. And I'm really ashamed to say that I'm a black woman that live in, in Baltimore. I don't be living in Baltimore more. I'm just ashamed to be a black woman, how we let our communities deteriorate. We're sleeping with murderers, addicts, all over the place. These children are living in our homes. We're feeding them. We're safe haven them. They've been murdering and doing all and We cannot get to the bottom of it because we choose not to. Not a really well glad you called me, Lance. I'm so fed up with the adults and the churches and everybody that represents this city. They'll be ashamed of themselves. I understand. I was devastated myself. Now what I'm going to do is we're going to switch over and get a response from Pastor um, Larry Watkins. Pa- uh, um, Pastor Watkins, what are your thoughts on this right now? I think that um, it is a true, it's truly a tragedy uh, what is happening to our young black men in this city, not just in the city, but in this country, period. Um, I think that what we have is an epidemic. It's not an epidemic of people not living up to their responsibility. What we have is an epidemic of identity, a loss of identity. We have an epidemic of of not having enough fathers out there to tell young men and to show young men how to be and live to be um, the right type of man. Epidemic of people not caring about our young people. We have an epidemic of parents that don't have an identity who are raising children who don't have an identity. And it's because of of the decaying morals of our country. And it's because, uh, I'm going to say this, it's because the church hasn't stepped up and and become the salt and light that it was supposed to be to maintain the standard that Christian living should be. So what we have now is this epidemic running wild where people don't care about each other's lives anymore. They don't care about their own lives, so why should they care about anybody else's life? So it's nothing now to take a life. It's nothing to be able to stand behind a gun and pull the trigger. It's nothing because they don't have anything in their life that's worth living for, so why should you believe that anybody else has anything in your life worth living for? So to, 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 to take someone's life, over a corner or over a neighborhood or, or over uh, a reputation is just, um, it's, it's, it's tragic is what it is. And we're dealing it, with it in epidemic proportion. And we need to do, we need to, number one, we need to deal with it in our own homes first. And we also need to deal with it in our communities. Now, when, yes. we, lose, when we lose a young black man, we're losing black men and sons speak to prosperity. They speak to our future and our destiny. So what's happening is every time a young black man dies, our future is dying. Our legacy is dying. Our prosperity is dying. And so is that of those families. And we need to step in and, and grab our young men. We need to step in and, 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 and put our hands on them and be able to tell them who they are and what they can be. And this is the only way that we're going to be able to stem the tide of this, this epidemic that's happening. What do you think, sir? Well, you're 100% correct. When you say, I'm writing down these notes, um, we got this epidemic. We have a lot of young men that don't have fathers. We have fathers that aren't stepping up to the plate 
and they're they're not doing what they're supposed to be. And it's to me, it's a generational curse because they're doing some of these young men or men are doing exactly the same thing uh, that their fathers did. They're abandoning the family, and when you abandon the family, it's basically a domino effect. It's an effect where hey, these guys are trying to grow up. You know, they're they're working. You know, they're trying to grow up, but then what happens is they come across the wrong crowd. Some of them can start off on the right path, but then they come across the wrong crowd that's steering them in the direction of drugs, sex, and alcohol. And when they get into that direction of drugs, sex, and alcohol, they think they're men at that point in their life, and they think they can handle it. Then they start going around, again, with the wrong crowd, getting the wrong things, and then these initiations come through, gangs start coming, and then we, again, we had this live epidemic that, of young boys with no fathers thinking they're grown, thinking that it's right to do whatever they want to do. When to me is in to me is nothing but a spirit out there that's saying, "Hey, eat, drink, and be merry. We can do whatever we want to do." Um, and I, I like what you said. It's it's true. It's an epidemic. It it's a, it's it's running wild right now. And we're going to switch to um, Deacon Farr, Deacon Thomas Farr. We're going to let you come in on this right now. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Um, I just wanted to give my condolences to Sister, and, and, I, and I pray her continuing strength and courage in the process of healing. Um, what I did want to share, and with, with, with Pastor Murray was saying, too, it is an epidemic because yeah. – this thing, if this thing happened, it, it, you're right, because I, I remember uh, I'm not originally from Baltimore, but I first came to Baltimore. Baltimore uh, was the murder, was they were they had the highest murder rate per capita, and they, they I think they, they jumped back up to it last year. And so this thing is not, it's not a new thing, and it's something, right. again, it has to do with the, politi- the politicians, the citizens, the churches, and it, I think it's this community thing. And yes. we don't see it as something that we need to, this is what we need to focus on. And all the other things that we get distracted by the media, even here in the local media, that they, they, our minds and, our, and the media distracts us often to other things. But this thing is, is critical because these are, this is like, Pastor Larry said, this, this is legacy. Because, yes. you know, if, 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 you, if you cut the head off, if you cut the man off, if you cut the man child off, you know, what, 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 is the, what is the community going to look like with that much less men to leave families? to be able to be fathers, husbands. You know, we're losing sons. We're losing fathers. We're, we're, losing, we're losing a whole a whole generation, a seed. For every man that's lost, that's another child. And then we have to see it. We have to see it in that urgency. And I think what it, it takes, it takes um, organizations like um, uh, Moms, um, it's, it's Mothers of Murdered Sons. I just, I, just, I just found out about them on Facebook, and I found them through, through Brother uh, Orlando. But it, it, it takes these kind of grassroots things because I think that's where, if, if we remember our history and a lot of our movements weren't grassroots, we have to right. move the mechanisms. We have to be able to move the culture. We have to be able to move these, and even in the church. And that's the thing also because it, it's funny. I was just in a men's meeting recently, and it, and it was calling men to be men. And this is part of it because even if it's not my son, I should have a passion for those in the community. And and if, and if and if my life is right, I should be able to now. I should be able to step out, get out of the pew, get out of the four walls, and start to go and to minister. We have missions. And some of these churches 
you know, I, I'm, 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 uh, sometimes I'm, um, you know, I'm troubled because we have a lot of churches who have missions overseas but have no right. missions in the communities they live in. They spend, they send a lot of money. They'll, they'll advertise it. They'll put it on their flyers. They have whole committees and whole budgets for it. But the same within the five miles of where their building is, they're not doing anything. And and, and like the, and like the sister said, um, you know, when the uh, thing happened last year, you know, I saw all these pastors whose church has been in this neighborhood, in these neighborhoods for years, all of a sudden everybody's in front of TV. I haven't heard of none of them lately. Right. One of them, I'm not going to call his name, but one of them now is going to be on a TV talk show with some other pastors. But what happened to Baltimore? What happened to North Avenue? What happened to what's going on here still with the violence and the continuing thing? And and, and, and you're right, because I'm a man of a certain age. So I'm thinking, I have to, if we're not looking back to our generation, you know, by the grace of God, my kids are, you know, all right, but I, I, I have concerns right now for my grandchildren. Right. Because it, it, it's not really a neighborhood thing. It, it's like uh, Pastor Watkins was saying. It's the lack, it's the morality that's leaving. Because these things happen in all kinds of in, in, in neighborhoods, and especially the African-American community, like the sister shared, when she said that, they, when she said that the, um, the two, the, excuse me, the two sons, they went to high school together. They might have even went to high school with the perpetrator. You know what I mean? So it's, it's That's right. you have, you have people who are, you have folk who are growing up in violent atmospheres who, who, again, they, they talk to the innocent. Like, like you, like we were saying, you don't have to necessarily be involved with drugs in the street and gangs and all that. But just because they're in that, they're that circle, they can, they can be potentially victims, either targeted or either they just was, they just was casualty. So I think it was like Pastor Watkins was saying, and like we're all saying, it's, it's, it's a moral thing, and we have to be able to start, again, in the grassroots, and, and my, my, my thing is with the body of Christ, you know, it, it, they have to start doing some things to start affecting a lot of changes because there's things that lead to this violence, that lead to the hopelessness, that lead to, like Pastor Watkins said, if I have no identity and someone tells me, if, if I'm the biggest and baddest guy on the block, that's my identity. And that's all I got because I have nothing else. Mm-hmm. And that can, that that perpetrates and, and sometimes that brings itself up in in violence. But now with the with the, with the way that it's it's so it's so easy to pick up a gun now. It used to be you know it used to be fist fights. It used to be you know it was like you know it was it wasn't all lethal. Let me say that because the violence right. I don't think is new. But the, the lethal and the permanent violence that's going on now, and people are getting pushed there. It being, it, it's a lot of it. I think it's peer pressure, because again, you have, you have some, you have, you know, you have some older guys that's pushing these teenagers to do these these things so they can feel, but they can feel part of something. Right. You know what I mean? They're sitting separate, and you know, but they they're sending these young brothers to kill each other as as for sport to make them feel and make them feel accepted. So it, it's a lot to it. But let me say this, and, and, I'll, and I'll give, and I'll just uh, keep up my let go back. But we have to, again, I believe in the grassroots, and for, as for the church, it, it, we have. I think we have a great power that the body of Christ is not really using. We, I think we're squandering the influence that we truly have. And again, we again, we, some some of it is is um, what I want to call it, the bourgeoisie. Or for, right. for, my, for my Christian folks, it's the Pharisee. 
If it ain't me in my house, it ain't got nothing to do with me. It's them folks. I thank God I'm saved. I thank God my kids are saved. I don't care about nobody else, and that is not what the body of Christ should be about. What do you think, um, Brother Johnson? Hey, we I do appreciate that. I'm actually having fun with this, but you're one hundred percent you're you're correct. I'm seeing everything that's going on. I'm watching the news more now. Uh, you know, it's more like black on black crime basically. And we have the um cops and I'll talk about not just the murder of her son, but the black cop in the school smacking a, you know, Young man, okay, he he's a young man, but we got to remember, he's young. He doesn't know better. There's other ways of chastising him other than the way he was knocked around. So it's like if our young black people see a black cop doing this, then right. what, are, what are they going to say? They're going to lose respect for the cops. They're going to have fear. They're not going to have respect for the cops because they're going to have fear because we have to, in our homes, our kids are going to act up. We know that. But we ain't going to knock them around to act, you know, to we're going to knock them senseless. No. Right. And if a cop, you have to have, but you were trained, if you were trained correctly, how to have restraint and how to take care of the young people. And then, you know, so it's, it's basically that um, the devil, all I can say, the devil is busy, the devil is prevalent, and we can see it out there. And we're not looking at it for what it is. We're we're seeing the physical, but we're not seeing the spiritual undertow that's going on right now. And as um, you said, it's almost like a genocide. It's almost like a genocide. You know, our black men are killing each other. You know, like you said, he was new to the neighborhood. He was different. So because I'm different, you're going to shoot me. Because I'm not like you, you're going to, and you couldn't even shoot me face-to-face, you're going to shoot me in the back. That doesn't, I, I, I can't fathom that because that, 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 that just shows me, yes, you are a coward. You're not, you're not, you're not showing, you know, any kind of man. It doesn't take a man to pull a trigger. Right. It, take, it, it takes a man to say, you know what, I understand. You know, you're different, I'm different, that's fine. But, you know, society, and I'm not going to let them get a society teaching our young our young African-American men, hey, this is the way it's supposed to be. If the cops right. are going to show respect, why should we show respect to each other? If a black cop can can smack a kid, they're probably, you know, yeah, he did something wrong, but sometimes you have to look past that. Why did he do that? There's a, for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. Why is all this going on? What are we doing? I mean, don't just say, you know, he spit in his face, okay, what was going on that made that reaction happen? You have to look at the whole story, and they are not allowing that to happen. All they're saying is that, okay, you know, he's spitting his face, and then we got the video that that's went viral of the cop and a, a woman cop, and I'm saying to myself, okay, she's a, she probably a mother. Would she want someone hitting her son like that? Right. A woman officer standing by, but... She's letting him do that. So, well, that's a whole other story. But, you know, and I understand everything you guys are saying. You know, I'm enjoying this. But, Ms. Daphne, um, before we go on break, give us some more words. You know, you know what, what is your feel? Continue giving us your feel on what we've been talking about so far. Well, I always say that um, society 
loads that gun and those kids pull the trigger. But all, you know, we have a lot of systemic issues in our community and all. Like you say, fatherless uh, children. A lot of the same mothers. We, you know, our kids came into epidemic of crack cocaine in the 80s era. Uh, they mad, they angry at the world, they mad at their parents, they mad at everything around them. And these kids, they want more, they deserve more, but they going about it the wrong way. I always say they had a peace syndrome, which is uh, prison, pushing powder, uh, penis, sex, everything. They just, they, they just all over the place. There's nobody is stopping them. Nobody's telling them it's wrong. Every time you turn on the TV, now you can't even watch TV now. Everything is on that TV now. Every show, CSI, How to Get Away with Murder, everything is in their face. So much violent. America is a very violent, violent place. That's why we're losing more children in the United States to violence than we do in the war that, they, that they've been in since 9-11. We just got to look at all the signals. And the miseducation of our kids is a big topic. Now, my son, Tyree, he didn't really hang out in the streets. He, you know, he was with his friends. I'm sure they got to a little thing. We live out here in Hartford. But the biggest thing for my son was, and my oldest son, the same thing. They were avid basketball player, football player. My oldest son was a quarterback out here for four years. See, our kids get, they, they like they for entertainment purposes only. You can't play that ball or that music or sell anything to those folks. That you're, you're nothing. A lot of them, everybody's not going to the NBA or going to the NFL. Everybody's not going to get a rap song. They said these latest killings over the summer was over this rap, this rap music. Everybody producing these rap CDs and all. Who had the better rap CD? I mean, it's a cultural problem. And nobody will see nothing wrong with it. You know what they say? Oh, they just got to grow up. This is what their generation does. They didn't let us do what we wanted to do. But now everybody's like, go for yourself. Everything that used to be right in the world is now wrong. And the kids are caught up in the middle. And it's not their fault. It's our fault. We don't have allowed these kids to get away with this stuff. And now it's an epidemic. It's out of control. It is totally out well, you're, you're right because you know I'm I'm thinking, and this is just me, that when they take when they took prayer out of school, the devil had his chance to just walk right in and do what he wants in our society, and that's basically what he's doing, and he's been doing it for years and years, and it's growing worse. You know that one. You know America is going to me. America is going to hell in a handbasket because everything that shouldn't be, they want it to be. Everything that's a that should be for God because we were built on Christian standards. They're basically saying no. We're going to change it because we want to compromise our standards for others. We want to appeal other people to make sure that every and we're not going to be able to please everybody. But America right now is trying to please everybody. When I say everybody, everybody. But um, I did want to tell you guys, you know, when you look at the event page, um, I went to a meeting last Saturday um, by Mr. Quentin Gibson, and he he has a, a nonprofit called Keeping Our Sons Alive, Teaching Our Sons to Thrive. And he did a couple hours over at the Randallstown Library last week and had a panel discussion similar to this, have people come in, church organizations, community organizations, and come 
and it was it was just a great discussion. Then you had the young people there as well, saying, you know, giving us their viewpoints of what was going on. And I thought that was totally awesome because we we have to hear the young people are in it, and we have to be able to hear from them as well. Young boys that are going through high school boys, you know, elementary, you know. We have to know, okay, what is going on? Because they, too, have this, something like this can happen to those same young men, Lord willing, it won't, that um, was in that um, seminar last week that talked keeping our sons alive. And I applauded Mr. Um, Gibson because that was something that God put on his heart to say, look, we got to get out here as men and do something and, uh, you know, talk to the community, you know, keep, Educating the community, you know, what's going on? Talk to these churches. Okay, we got this problem, and they started problem solving. What can we do? And this is something that we have to do as well. What can we do? You know, continue in prayer. Besides that, and continue continue talking to God. And um, I have some more information because um, the guest that we had on last week, he he just he flabbergasted me as well because he had so much stuff going on in the city of um, Pastor Bill Jenkins in Indianapolis, Indiana, that is like he had a, a total some nice ideas and things that they did in that city. And you would think that, you know, in Indianapolis, Indiana, all the way over there, they wouldn't have any issues, but they're having the same issues that we are having in Baltimore. But we're going to take a break. I'm going to have a um, – we're going to take a break right now. I'm going to have some words from our sponsors and then we are going to listen to a song, you know, we um, God Chaser, and just have, you know, just get a time to reflect. I know from our um, supporters, Music Instruction for All Learners, Inc., where music knows no age. If you're interested in music instruction, such as piano lessons or instrumental lessons, please contact us at 888-501-8650, extension 778, to set up an appointment to talk to our instructors. And please visit us on our new and improved website at www.mifalinc.org. We are running a fundraiser right now. We're trying to raise $400 to pay for the fee for our nonprofit status. We just received a few a month ago a you know, 25 donation, and we're, you know, we're still continuing to raise that money to get the rest of the $375 we need. You can donate at www.gofund.me dot com forward slash M I F A L I N C and another sponsor is the Curvy Boss Project. The Curvy Boss Project was created to empower, inspire, motivate, and change the lives of full figured women. Curvy chicks are boss chicks too, not to mention beautiful, intelligent, talented and talented. Please check them out on Facebook at Curvy Boss Project and their website is www.curvyboss Com. And we're going to take a break. We'll be back. Um, our panel will still be here. We'll be back in a few minutes. And we all should choose to be a God chaser.
are back live with The Man in the Mirror, along with your host, Hezekiah Montgomery, and co-host, Michelle Johnson. And we are having a great discussion, Um, and I'm just enjoying it. You know, unfortunately, it's a sad way of having a, a show and, you know, the reason we're having a show, but we still have to continue to learn. We still have to continue to learn from this um, show. So, again, we have Power Hitters on tonight. The show is entitled, Pan- uh, we're having a panel view with moms, mother of murdered sons and daughters. When will it stop? You can call in and listen at 917-889-2271 or log into www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash man dash in dash the mirror and find that you can find the show there. And these power hitters are educating us tonight. We're getting a lot of information, and we are just having some fun. If you want to ask any questions, um, you can type, um, press the number one on your phone, and, you know, we will, you know, get you, put you on our queue and have you, you know, give your question to our panel or just talk to our audience because we're all in this together. We are all in this together. Um, okay, panel, we are back, and we left off with, you know, just talking about, you know, generational curses, um, and just, you know, to, and our, and I want past, I want Deacon Farr to respond to um, the last one that Miss Olson had talked about, and she was talking about the music. So, what are your comments on that? Amen, sir. You know, you're right. She's right. Because with the media, the way it is, you know, we let the media make it. Some, a lot of this violence comes reflecting. She talked about the, the crack of them back in the 80s and 90s. And that's exactly where a lot of this violence came because that was, that was the norm. It was on videos. It was in the music, the rap music. You know, people, people used to condemn rap music. But there's a reason for some of it. And if we look at it and we look at now, we look years past, those same so-called rappers and thugs, all those brothers, they, they don't live in the hood anymore, and their children don't live under circumstances that they help create. Right. So they they really, they, they, they're worse than, you know, they, 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 they're living off the blood of our, of, of our children because they glorified it, they made it acceptable, they, 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 they glamorized it. They they nullified our kids and yeah. make the violence not that big deal. I mean, you know, there's there's creativity and there's all that, but you know, everybody doesn't everybody doesn't have the same foundation. So people see this stuff and they think that's the way it is. That becomes what it means to be black in America. Unfortunately, that whole dressing, the thug life, all that stuff is now coming back. You know, uh, who was it? It was Malcolm who said. These are the roosters coming up. The chickens coming home to roost because all that was glorified. Everybody was out there so celebrating them. NAACP, all the people, you know. And even today, you know, even we even have issues now with with Christian rap because that's a whole lifestyle that was not good for us. They, they really they 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 were the, they were the, they were the predators on our culture because they they did these things. They they. I'm sorry, I'm getting too excited. But when you said that, that <laughs> resonated okay. with me. That resonated with me because a lot of that is why where we are today. 
because all right. of that lifestyle and the violence was glorified, and that meant, that's what it meant to be black, to be the man, all that stuff. But everybody didn't make no money off it. Only a couple of them did, and now they still, you know, they even that just the movie just came out with you know NWA, NWA, NWA was not the pillar of Black America when they were out there. But right. we see where they're at today. They reap off of that. They, they, you know, off of the blood of our children and off of a lost generation, they all made money off it. You know what I mean? Dr. Dre and, and um, Ice Cube and, you know, they live in, they're living good now, but there's a lot of dead black men out there because of the glorification of the violence. And, and that's just, there's just a couple of them. But there's a few others out there who've done the same thing. But, you know, it, there's so much that now we have to be able, we have to get to the place where we're trying to turn the tide now. We have to get everybody involved. We have to get everybody to, to start to approach these young men. I mean, not even young men, right. because the violence is coming with, with girls. But we have to get them. The only, I think my thing is, I think the best place where we have to get involved is in the schools and in the churches, and we have to come at this thing from two fronts. And we have to get folks who know better to be able to get to get a voice, find a voice for themselves. Again, I say grassroots because we have to come. Because the politicians, I don't care what happens, they're running for re-election. They're running to do what they want to do, what they think is going to work. But they will sacrifice our kids also. Because even in Baltimore right. City, all those rec centers are closed now. You know, those rec centers, those things go up and down. I've been here since the late 80s. I remember in Baltimore City, there was a rec center was open. They had programs, and as as the years gone by, I've seen them up and down, depending on what the political climate was and what money was. So, you know, the politicians and the city government, they cannot be and should not be our first resource. It has to be in our communities, and we have to we have to we have to come together. And the, and I believe the churches, you know, I I, I don't know. I, sometimes I just wonder what goes on. Because the church has power. Because even the churches in Baltimore, we all know the old joke that there's a church, there's a liquor store in the church in every corner in Baltimore. Within a block, you're going to find five of each five liquor stores, a takeout, and a church. All these churches with all these buildings, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. uh, To me, that could be enough recs, community centers, whatever we need to build the church buildings already there. You know what I mean? And and apparently, they, they can sustain it because they're still there. But again, I'll, I'll uh, just I'll give I'll, I'll give back to the panel now. I don't want to get you know ranting and raving too much. Amen. <laughs> oh, and that's okay. That is okay. Now we have Michelle with us. Um, Michelle, do you have any comments about anything that we've actually been speaking about tonight? Well, number one, I I am definitely enjoying um, this conversation. This is bringing out some much needed. Um, issues and things that are going on with our kids, and it's a lot going on with our children, the males and the females. Yeah. And yes, and one of the, one of the things um, I, I heard you mention um, our guest from last week, which is one of the things that I wanted to to touch on uh, because I really liked some of the things that that his church was instituting. In Indianapolis, so I wanted to to talk about that, and um, you know, we really just have to remember that the 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 devil, he's he's still ever present, still here, 
and he's still doing his job, and he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And he, if he can destroy the family, right? He can destroy all, all of us because if we can't keep God and the family and keep God in front of our children, then you know what's the example? What 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 are we showing them? What are, what are we saying to them? What are we saying to them without ever opening our mouths if we don't keep God in front of them? So I wanted to say that. But one of the things that the pastor from last week um, said that really made an impact on me, and I definitely feel like it's true, is that a lot of times the the children, and I'm just being honest, the children, they don't want to hear about God in the way that we're talking to them about God. That's right. Mm -hmm. They want to feel like they're loved. Right. They want to know that we care. They want to feel included. They want to be a part. And they want to know that we have their back. And one of the things that he does and his church does is that they actually deal a lot with uh, bringing the children in for activities and things. So like Deacon Farr was saying, every church could be a rec center, literally. And, and that's kind of what what his church does is they bring the kids in for activities. They bring them in. They start to to learn their names. They start to talk to them and have these conversations. Children are very smart. And if you sit down and have a conversation with someone even as young as as, um, five or six, they'll say some things that you wouldn't even believe if you take the time to really sit down and talk to them. Children see a lot. They hear a lot. And they're not seeing the best things, and they're not hearing the best things out here. So if they know that you have taken the time, that you have shown them love, that you are a living example of Christ, if they see that, then they may listen. Then they may hear what else we're saying, what we're saying about God, what we're saying about why, you know, that they should be living a certain way and not out there killing each other and selling drugs and getting involved with all of these things that are out there. And so this is really this is just a really important thing and I'm I'm glad that we are having this conversation. I love that it's come to this the last couple of weeks because this is a definite conversation that we all need to have and and I was kind of laughing. I don't even remember who mentioned it in the conversation, but somebody mentioned about the pastors, I think it was Deacon Farr, about the pastors who came out in front of the cameras and that's something that I actually mentioned because right. it's not about what everybody sees. It's about what are, what are we doing on an everyday basis. This this thing is an everyday thing. It's not for special occasions. Christ isn't for special occasions. It's an right. everyday thing. And so we we really we need to be bringing that kind of attitude, showing that we care to our community and to our children. We really have to get in the community, and that that's one of the things that the pastor from last week was saying that I was impressed with. You have to get in the community. Right. You don't. We're we're in the community because we're on the corner, but are we in the community? 
Do the people that live all along the sides of the street where your church are, do they know the people in the church? Do they know the pastor? Do they know your name? Do you, have you spoken? Have you had conversations with them? Have you prayed for them? Have you gone out and brought them them a plate of food if you're having a, a dinner in a church? Do you open the doors and, and try to get people to come in for all other things, even other than just service? Like, what is it that you're doing? Are you in? Are you really in in your community? And I, I'm just going to shut up because I could talk about that forever because I really feel like that is where we have lost. We have lost the battle yes. right there. Amen. Amen. I'm going to actually bring on um, Pastor Watkins with, you know, with that question, you know, that you just asked. Um, Michelle is saying we're in the community, but what are we doing while we're in the community? What, um, what do you think, Pastor Watkins? I think the problem that we have right now with the church is not a matter of being in the community. It's a matter of being relevant in the community. I, don't, I mm-hmm. think that church has lost its relevance meaning that we speak a lot of platitudes, we say a lot of cliches, we say right. uh, <clears throat> we talk a lot of stuff, but the stuff that we talking, we're talking is not relevant to people's lives. The, the things that we're preaching are not relevant to people's lives. You can preach prosperity, you can preach all of that, but if you don't right. tell me how to apply it to my life, it's not relevant to me. And the thing that's happening with our young people is that we're preaching a bunch of stuff that's not relevant to them. They don't understand how to apply um, everything's going to be all right in the morning to their lives because they have a trouble. We need to make sure that things are relevant to our, to our communities. Now, this is something, this is not new. This is nothing, there's nothing new under the sun. This is actually talked about in the Bible. If we look in first, it look in second Kings chapter four, it talks about the woman who had lost her, her husband. And she said, the creditors are coming to get my sons, to take them away and put them into slavery. And this is um, synonymous with society coming to get our sons with the music, with the culture, with television and everything else. And they're trying to put them in bondage, trying to take them away. And what did the, what did the prophet tell them? He said, Go to your neighbors. Get your community involved. He said, go and get them, knock on their doors, and ask them for vessels. And he asked her, what do you have in your house? Number one, the first thing we got to do is look in our own homes and start dealing with the things that are going on in our own homes. As being salt and light, we have to make sure we're dealing with everything that's going on in our homes. We don't need to wait to the church, let the church teach our children we should be teaching our children first and letting the church reinforce it. Right, right. So we have to deal with what's in our home first. The second thing he said is go get the community involved. And after you get the community involved, he said go get vessels, don't get a few. He said knock on your neighbor's doors, get them involved in what's going on. And he said after you've gotten the community in, go into the house, bring your children in with you, and make them a part of the deliverance. We, once we get our children and we teach them, we make it relevant to them, then we need to take them out and let them be a part of helping our community because the children are the thing that's going to reach other children. So this is not something that's old. It's something that's been in the Bible, and there's a solution in the Bible. We as Christians just need to walk that solution out, make it relevant to our kids. When I was young, about 20 years ago, we had a ministry called Who? 
Holy Spirit operating in other places. And in that ministry, it was a gym where you came to play basketball. But the only way to get in the gym was to bring your Bible. And we played ball for about an hour and 45 minutes, and we had a 15-minute Bible study. And that ministry changed the lives of brothers. There are brothers now who were drug dealers and everything in that ministry who are now pastors and ministers and leading communities. All you got to do is make it relevant. Amen. Amen. You are, we, we have to make it relevant. And is Austin, any comments? But we have yeah, a little over four minutes. Is so great. We, maybe we should do some community. This panel here is wonderful. Maybe I, my dream of regard the vision that God gave me to set up panels in different communities and have the young people be the hosts and they ask us questions and stuff. They always hear it from us, and we don't hear anything. And so in my heart is that um, the church really, really has to be more influent in the community. The co- they don't even live in the community that they service no more. Always that a preacher sell um, hope and a drug dealer sell dope, and those two things that can't work in our community. And that's basically what we see. You have to have a preacher that serves the community, to live in the community that he that he serves. That's so important. We we're not together in that anymore. Everybody get get what they get and gain, and then they run on off and live somewhere and shut their door to reality till they come back up for that. Wednesday Bible study or that Sunday, and then they walk around with bodyguards and all. What kind? What are we sending out to the people? What kind of message are we sending? I go to church myself. I love the Lord, Christian woman. But when I got that phone call about my son, my face was so messed up, and I really didn't have anything really concrete to hold back on because I realized the only thing I was going to church, I sung in the choir, I was cooking in the kitchen, doing things like that. Did I really had something concrete to hold on to because I was hating God for a long, long time. Just really getting back really to my spirituality because he, he's given me such a vision to carry on. And the last thing, this is what I try to tell the church. I've been out here almost in these streets. We come, we, we go into the we go on Curry Street North, and we're in there at night after night. We, but one thing I find relevant, I have called so many churches to tell them, please, 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 get to the wakes of those young men and those funerals. That is the only time you want to get an opportunity to talk to them. And that's what the mom organization, that's what we do. We're the only group we are here. We try to go to every funeral and every um, funeral to talk to the families and talk to you. There's four and five hundred young men and women there at a time. Broke down, lost them what to do to offer them some hope or something. The church is building empires and not building people. That's the same mm. thing with the city. And that's why the CBS going to come down again. They build it. I don't hear nobody saying it. How are we going to restore man and how are we going to get these kids to where they're supposed to go? Everybody go the CVS, okay, if I hear that CVS building one more time, that's brick and mortar. And people are shattered. Their lives are shattered. The whole city is is in a traumatic state. And all we can do is run about who who got more election for. It's not about the government or the mayor. It's about the community and the people in the church. That was God has given us. We have to go back to that. That's the only thing that's kept the black man all this time. And the last thing I'm going to say, but then sometimes God give me a vision like, Daphne, 
there's something so great in the black young man that maybe Satan knows this, and maybe that's why he wants him gone. There's something great there. And God just keeps telling me that. So I, I flip my mind now into not being so mad at the victims who are creating these crimes to the perpetrators, but saying, what is it that Satan sees in that Satan has their minds so tied up that they would do that work for him? It's got to be something great that we have eyes have not seen yet in these young black men. The white guys aren't doing it to each other. Nobody else is doing it but the black on black. So it's got to be something that the Satan knows is so intriguing that he, he don't want to prosper. I don't know if anybody agree with me with that. I, I'm really stuck with that. I definitely agree with you. Yes. Got to be something powerful. All his time is just spending on the black young man and the women. It's, it's deep. You know, I just try wow. to go that way. Yeah, I pay for I pray for the perpetrator because they're kids. You know what I'm saying? And they're doing right. what they yeah. what they're taught to do. You know, uh, Fifty Cent. I was always so mad at him. He had that CD, Get Rich or Die Trying. You know, they all that was a big thing for the kids. And then you had Jay Z, who really talked about the church. He said, Well, how come God don't come to the ghetto? Why do we have to live like this? Why do we live behind bars and don't have no food and no fathers and our mothers on drugs and stuff? The kids got a lot on it, and they showing it. Their anger stuff comes out a way that society don't like. So society has made sure that all of them know about this. They don't like the outcome of it. So that's what they wow. want. We are trying to get them school. We can't. We're not going to be able to change what's happening right now. Cause these kids, 16, 17, 18, they're embedded with so much hate and anger and stuff. But we can just speak to them. Them funerals, I'm telling you, we have. You can hear a pin drop when the moms when we speak and tell our story. So it's not a reality to them until they hear it from somebody. Right. You know what I mean? It's not a reality to them. On June the fourth, that the weather's permitting. We have the T-shirt. We're going to have four, 500-some um, moms and dads bring their loved ones T-shirt. We're going to try to be by Frederick High School right in that Gwinnell area. And hang no shirts. We're going to do a visual thing and let them see the reality. We're trying to get schools to bring their kids and their kids there to look at these T-shirts and stuff with these faces on it. And at the end of the visual, mm-hmm. we're going to have some signs, and it's going to say, we don't want your face on here.
I mean, if you got, if there, you know, we want you guys to keep everyone that's in here and on this panel tonight in prayer because yes. we got to keep Baltimore in prayer as well. And I'm actually going to do something different. I'm going to ask uh, um, Deacon Thomas Farr if he will pray us out tonight. Um, again, this has been, you know, the Man in the Mirror with your host, Hezekiah Al Montgomery, and co host Michelle Johnson. We just had a good time tonight, and I thank everyone who has been on, Pastor Larry Walk and Deacon Thomas Farr, Michelle Johnson, and Miss um, Daphne Alston of Moms, Mothers of Murdered Sons and Daughters. We have to keep this thing going. We have to keep our sons in prayer. We have to keep our daughters in prayer. And sooner or later, we have to keep the devil on the move, because if we keep praying, um, Pastor um, Deacon Farr had a thing I couldn't get to, but they were praying on the corners, and we put they had it on the Facebook. Everything else is on the corner. They had a prayer booth, so it probably freaked some people out. But we got to pray on these corners because if we continue those prayers, the devil won't. He'll he'll be confused because he won't know. Okay, I can't go to this corner because they got that one on lockdown right now. I can't go to that corner. They got that one on lockdown. But we have to we have to continue to keep in prayer. Because we can't, we got to keep him moving. We got to keep him moving. Like everywhere he goes, there's somebody praying. Everywhere he thinks about going, there's someone praying. So we have to keep Baltimore in prayer because there is a lot going on. And we have to save our young people, period. That's all I'm going to say. We have to save our young people, period, because if we don't save them, no one else will. And with that said, I'm going to ask Deacon Thomas Farr to close us out tonight. And after that, I'll, you know, give a few closing remarks. Amen, amen, brother. Thank you. And, uh, um, brother, please um, forward, forward the mom's information to me, and um, she can look for me on Facebook, and, and we need to link up. So that definitely will come to her event. We can make something, we can make something happen there. Amen. Amen. Father, I'd like to get out what you have. again. I'm stuck. You have my sound number, right? Correct. Yeah, I'll, I'll forward that to him. Okay, thanks. Amen. Father, today, God, we come to you, Lord God, this evening. God, we thank you, Lord God, for, for the time to discuss these things, these issues, oh God, that we will expose the enemy, oh God, and to attack upon your people, oh God. Father, today, God, we say thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing. We come to you, oh God, seeking your strength, your wisdom, and your guidance. Father, today we're praying, God, for the victims, God. We're praying for the mothers, oh, God, the mothers of the sons, oh, God, who were, who were killed, oh, God. We're praying their strength, their restoration, oh, God. Father, we pray their healing, oh, God. Father, send the ministering angels, oh, God. Send your ambassadors into their life to encourage and strengthen them, oh, God. They might not give up, oh, God. Father, also, God, we want to lift up, oh, God, the perpetrators, oh, God, those, oh, God, who, who, who committed these crimes, these heinous crimes, God. But, God, we know, God, that you are a healer, you are a restorer, oh, God. Father, we ask, O oh God, that you would touch their lives, O oh God, that you, that you, God, would turn their minds around, Lord God, that you could do something for them, O oh God. Father, the same grace and mercy you showed us, O oh God, is that we pray that, you, that their lives would be turned around and that you would forgive them, O oh God. Father, continue to, to strengthen us, encourage us, O oh God, for the purpose and plan that you give each of us in our lives, O oh God. For those, O oh God, in government, we pray for them, God. We pray for their wisdom and strength. We pray for the pastors and leaders, God. We pray for church members, O oh God that they might hear this discussion, oh, God, and that their hearts might be turned to do something, God, that they would put feet and hands to this thing, oh, God, that, God, that not another generation, God, will be affected by the violence, oh, God. 
so God continue to strengthen us, God give us visions in his purpose. Bless us and watch over us that in protection on our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 This has been Hezekiah Al Montgomery signing off. And as always, we'll see you at the mirror. <laughs>